He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I've been watching, as many of you have been listening or watching, the Kyle Rittenhouse closing arguments. There's no dispute uh, over uh, something the prosecution said, because I keep stepping on it regarding the Fifth Amendment, but I won't get into that right now. And as I watched these prosecutors, I thought to myself, you know, most of my life, most of my life I've supported prosecutors, with exceptions, but the profession. Most of my life I've supported the Federal Bureau of Investigation, including my years at the Department of Justice and the Reagan administration. Most of my life, I've supported our intelligence agencies to protect us from our foreign enemies. What has happened here? And I think most of you are like me. What has happened here? That prosecutors bowed to the mob and become the voice and the instrument and the tool of the rioters and the racists. What has happened to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, an organization I held in the highest regard, that it's now used to target Trump, Trump supporters, James O'Keefe, people who believe in liberty, people who have done nothing wrong, What has happened? And I started thinking about this. And watching the closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial really kind of crystallized this for me. The American Marxists have not only conquered large swaths of the culture, 
but they are now conquering those elements in our society, those forces, those people in our society who you would expect to resist them. The United States military today, our service personnel are being subjected to critical race theory. Critical race theory is the poison through which this is occurring. They tried it at law schools, they tried it at colleges and universities, and it's worked. And it's worked. Our children and our grandchildren, when they go through these, this school system, these school systems, especially the Ivy League schools, most of them come out differently. Certainly many of them come out differently. Because they're not being taught how to think, how to challenge, and so forth. They're being propagandized. They're being brainwashed. This is something that was promoted by John Dewey after he observed what Stalin was doing. The so-called progressives, who aren't progressive at all. They're the children of the Marxist movements. Because look at what they're trying to do to the military now. They view the military as the enemy. But they can't beat the military in any way, so why not brainwash it? Police forces that resist the rioters and what's taking place, the racism and so forth, what happens? The Department of Justice comes in and effectively nationalizes them. Puts them under the deepest kind of scrutiny, not for lawlessness, but for ideological reasons. Look at the prosecutors. Whether it's the Manhattan DA or whether the Attorney General of New York, whether it's the Attorney General of the United States, everything they do is to advance this political, racist, ideological agenda. Everything. And if you stand in the way, the way Trump does, or the way Bannon does, or the way Mark Meadows does, or the way anybody does, or even James O'Keefe, who hasn't done anything, they're going to crush you. They're going to crush you, because this is the ideology now. What else? Look at immigration, federal law enforcement. Look at the Border Patrol and ICE. Completely defanged. So they don't defund them because people don't like that word. And they know it's politically a hot potato. So they just, may I say, deball them. Which is, take all their authority away from them without effectively eliminating them or defunding them and then trying to brainwash them too and then of course Joe Biden is now on the pace of appointing as many judges as Donald Trump and Donald Trump's appointments were historic in number so what's going on here it is a reign of terror it is a reign of a propaganda, it is a reign of uniformity, conformity. And they're using the vaccines this way as well. I can bring 25 top experts on this program, all of whom will disagree with what Biden's doing. Forget about the law for a moment, from a scientific perspective. 
kids 5 to 11? Oh, yeah, you parents, you better buckle. You better buckle under whether you like it or not. Are people of religious objections? Anybody remember Plymouth Rock around here? How this nation was founded in the first place? Or, if you don't accept what the central government's telling you, they will impose it on you? These police powers belong to the states. They don't belong to the federal government. OSHA has no authority over vaccines. Which is exactly why the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, at least three judge panels, stepped in. And I pray to God that that'll be upheld. But Joe Biden's busy changing the judiciary as I speak. The threats to the U.S. Supreme Court by this cloud of packing the court and changing the court has been hanging over that court since Joe Biden was sworn in. Since Joe Biden was sworn in. Professors who don't go along with these colleges and universities, they're blackballed. They're targeted. Teachers who don't go along with the school boards, some of them lose their jobs, they're put on suspension, what have you. And in addition to the military and the police, addition to what's happening to prosecutors, how they're undermining federal immigration law enforcement, they've taken this ideology now into our elementary schools, our middle schools, and our high schools. That's why people are rebelling. I heard a friend of mine on radio say the other day, we don't have to worry about critical race theory anymore. He couldn't be more, more incorrect. He couldn't be more wrong. These people don't give up because they lose an election. They lose an election, they move on to some other methodology because this is a Marxist ideology. Critical theory gave birth to critical race theory. And the whole point of both is to discredit and undermine support and allegiance to our founding principles and our founding. What do you think the riots were all about two summers ago? Pulling down monuments, attacking American history, trashing Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, all the founders. So, I watched this trial, Kyle Rittenhouse, and while they have the legal analysts on, what does this mean, what does that mean, and everything, I step back and I take a bigger look. And then I take one more step. How the Republican Party and so many of its its self-proclaimed leaders have no idea what's going on. You look at Chris Christie. Chris Christie doesn't have the foggiest idea what's taking place in this country. He'll attack Biden, he'll attack Trump because, you know, he's the second coming. But all that aside, Mitch McConnell doesn't have the foggiest idea what's taking place in this country. Or John Thune, or any of the rest of them. No conceivable idea. The RNC, no idea. You know, people have to deal with this every day, they know. But these institutions that we thought were quote-unquote with us, with the Constitution, 
that would uphold the Bill of Rights, that believed in sovereignty and a secure border and law and order and all the rest. They're not with us. And those that are are being transformed right in front of your eyes. The reason critical race theory is being pushed on the military is to change the military. It is a greater threat than communist China. And trust me, communist China is the number one threat we face, except the Democrat Party in America today, its surrogates in the media and academia, its surrogates in entertainment, which are about conformity, uniformity, brainwashing, domination, ideology, and undermining the very essence of this country. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now, last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, I spent the first segment, which is the longest, my segment, explaining how the media in the country are both racist and anti-Semitic. Some platforms are worse than others, of course. Some hosts, contributors, and regular guests are worse than others. But it's pretty uniform with a few rare exceptions. So we've gone beyond the media trying to influence the country in a single direction. We've gone beyond the media rejecting attempts at objectivity and impartiality. We have a media that is not only politicized and ideological, but hates America. A media that lights fuse after fuse after fuse by the nature of what they cover and don't cover, by the nature of the kind of guests they bring on, that promotes racism in this country and anti-Semitism in this country, and, uh, and do it regularly. And do it regularly. And as I pointed out on Life, Liberty, and Levin last night, study was done by a gentleman by the name of Goldberg about a year or so ago, a doctoral candidate at the Heritage Foundation. And he explained how the use of white privilege and white supremacy in a very short period of time has gone up by 1,200% at the New York Times and 1,500% at the Washington Post. 
That whereas, and we've talked about this, white supremacy used to refer to like neo-Nazis and Klansmen, people who have a specific ideology that is filled with hate and racism, real racism. Those terms are now used broadly to attack society, elements of society, including our police and our military, or anything else the media wish to do. And when you have an, a platform like MSNBC that is owned by Comcast or CNN that is owned by AT&T, and you wonder why they allow it, that's because they agree with it. Or they think they're buying peace. These are the same entities. The same entities that close their eyes to slavery and genocide all over the world, but especially where are profits to be made? Mostly communist China. It's a huge market in communist China. So they're silent about communist China. NBC has exclusive broadcasting rights to the Olympics in communist China. It's not criticizing China at all. Neither is MSNBC. The word must have gone out. There must be a memo somewhere. And if James O'Keefe hadn't been treated the way he was treated by the FBI's, if they're the old KGB, Stalin's Soviet Union, and that's what they've become in many respects. That's what they've become in many respects. Then maybe we'd know more. The NBA hates America. Many of its players hate America. They embrace communist China because of Nike, because of all the money they make there. And of course, their great star, LeBron James, hates America the most. Because he's had to struggle so hard from high school to the NBA, where he's now a billionaire. And I guess he just has one too many mansions and Lamborghinis and all the rest. There's never really been a show about LeBron in that sense. So these entities hate America. Many of them have been brainwashed, but many of them are also sellouts. But the reason doesn't matter so much as the fact that that's who they are. And this is reflected in the case of Comcast and AT&T and others in these media operations they own. I'll be right back. Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. There have been some liberal media sites and some liberals who've been talking about how the media really failed us on the Russia collusion issue. Now that Attorney Durham is indicted two people that make it quite obvious that this was a lie from beginning to end. Sarah Fisher, the media trends author over at Axios, a left-wing site, the title is The Media's Epic Fail. Stick with me. She writes, A reckoning is hitting news organizations for years-old coverage of the 2017 Steele dossier after the document's primary source was charged with lying to the FBI. It's one of the most egregious journalistic errors in modern history, and the media's response to its own mistakes have so far been tepid. 
Outsized coverage of the unvetted document drove a media frenzy at the start of Donald Trump's presidency that helped drive a narrative of collusion between the former president and Russia. It also helped drive an even bigger wedge between former President Trump and the press at the very beginning of his presidency. In wake of the key sources' arrest and further reporting on the situation, the Washington Post last Friday corrected and removed large, large portions of two articles. She says to the Post credit, its media critic Eric Wemple has written at length about the mistakes made by the Post and other media outlets in their coverage of the dossier. BuzzFeed News, which made waves in 2017 by publishing the entire dossier, says it has no plans to take the document down. It's still online, accompanied by a note that says the allegations are unverified and the report contains errors. BuzzFeed defended the decision in a 2018 lawsuit by arguing that because the FBI opened an investigation into Trump's campaign ties uh, to Russia, the dossier itself was newsworthy, whatever the merits of its contents turned out to be. It won that case. Ben Smith, who was BuzzFeed's editor-in-chief at the time, is now a media columnist at the New York Times. He said, my view on the logic of publishing hasn't changed. Other outlets that gave the document outsized coverage have so far been less forthcoming. CNN and MSNBC did not respond to requests for comment about whether they plan to revisit or correct any of their coverage around the dossier. Mother Jones, Washington Bureau Chief David Korn, what a reprobate, began reporting about the dossier prior to the 2016 election. Asked by Wemple whether he planned to correct the record, Korn said, my priority has been to deal with the much larger topic of Russia's undisputed attack and Trump's undisputed collaboration with Moscow's cover-up. Corn did not respond to a request to speak on the record with Axios. The Wall Street Journal told Axios, we're aware of the serious questions raised by the allegations and continue to report and to follow the investigation closely. They say Axios was among the outlets that did not publish the dossier, original reporting based on its contents. Oh, really? Maybe not. But nor did it have a gut, the guts to stand up against the rest. What are they not reporting over at Axios? Axios is trying to cover its ass. The Washington Post is trying to cover its ass. This guy Wemple's trying to cover his ass. None of them were skeptical at the time. None of them. Now that the, the prosecutor has stepped up, now, oh, wow, look at this. Donald Trump had denied every aspect of it from day one. Isn't it interesting to you, ladies and gentlemen? I was skeptical from day one. March 2nd or 3rd, 2017, right behind this microphone. Not the dossier, but I attacked what was happening to the president, president-elect, candidate Trump. Attacked by every single media outlet. The Associated Depress, the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, the Constipated News Network, even Stephen Colbert a part-time proctologist who practices on the side, so to speak. What about those of us who were right about the phony Russia collusion story? You see what I mean? It's not just that the corrupt media in this country is in fact corrupt and demonstrates it over and over and over again, whether it's coming up for the Bidens, whether it's covering up for Hunter Biden, whether it's covering up for all these people and so forth. And it continues its lies to this day. 
Oh, there is no critical race theory being taught in Virginia schools. Yeah, right. Oh, the border's not open. Oh, okay. Oh, the uh, the budget, the spending, they will. Yeah, yeah. Says somebody from the uh, New York Slimes. Oh, yes, yes, it does actually uh, cost zero. The media are corrupt for the reasons I said. I wrote about an unfreedom of the press. I talk about often, and I talked about Sunday, and I talked about it in the first hour of this show. The media are not going to make amends. They're not going to return Pulitzer Prizes. To the extent they say anything, it's, it's to cover their butts. Nobody's been fired. Has anybody been fired at the New York Times or the Washington Post? CNN or MSNBC? No, nobody. But it's even worse than this. The media worked hand in glove with the Obama administration, which it liked and supported. It worked hand in glove with propagandists and lawless operators at the FBI and the Department of Justice and in our intel agencies. It worked hand in hand with Adam Schiff and other sleazeballs who managed to get elected to Congress, who we subsidized, including their pensions. And it worked on behalf of the Hillary campaign. In other words, the media sold out the American people. They sold out the American people. Rather than having a graphic on all their news shows and opinion shows pointing out that we are spokespeople and mouthpieces for the Democrat Party and the American Marxist movements. They still pretend to be a media. They still pretend to be journalists. Well, let me ask you a question. How? In what way? There's no similar characteristics. They don't embrace journalistic ethics. They hire dumber and dumber people who are more and more ideologically driven. Look at Chuck Todd, Hugh Hewitt's buddy. He's a disgrace. And not just Chuck Todd. Where'd they find George Stephanopoulos? Well, they found him leading the war room in the Clinton White House. Where'd they find Jake Tapper? Handgun Control Inc. and Marjorie Mezvinsky's campaign. Or, excuse me, uh, uh, career. I think it lasted about four months. Where do they find all these people? They hang out in the same social circles. Democrats will be Democrats regardless of their professions. And that's who they are. The media are utterly corrupt, even today. You have this guy, Jonathan Capehart. He has a show on the weekend on MSNBC. He's a bigot, in my opinion. The people of Virginia who voted for a black female lieutenant governor, they're racists. Of course, that makes sense, right? Oh, yeah, they're seeking uh, absolution. From what? Or Michael Eric Dyson, probably the biggest jackass of them all. Biggest jackass of them all. Speaks quickly and still is a moron, in my humble opinion. But they're not alone. Look at Scarborough. Scarborough sold whatever principles he had, which weren't many to begin with, for a gig at MSNBC, where his 12 viewers ensure that he gets paid millions of dollars a year as he broadcasts from Jupiter, Florida. I have no problem with that. But don't lie about it with the phony pictures of the uh, Capitol building behind you. Joe Scarborough and his wife, they're not in touch with the public. Not in the least. The media's epic fail, says Axios. 
Well, you can include Axios, too, because Axios, even though it's one of the newer the platforms, it didn't stand up and yell enough. No. The media are not separate from the bureaucracy, from the government, as long as that bureaucracy and government are controlled by the party it supports. Otherwise, it's out to destroy you. And they're still out to destroy Trump. There's a piece in the Daily Beast, which is truly a pathetic, phony website. But somebody sent it to me, over the transom, all it comes, that Liz Cheney and Chris Christie really have a chance to stop Trump, even if he wants to run in 2024. So here you have a radical, left-wing, Democrat-supporting site pushing Liz Cheney and Chris Christie. Pushing them. Trying to create opposition to Donald Trump. Chris Christie doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell to do anything. And Liz Cheney less. It's because it's not a serious media platform. It's like Mediaite that takes half its stories for Media Matters. They're all a joke. They're all, they're all ideologically driven. They have no interest in real news. If they had interest in real news, they'd break some real news. Like, why is the FBI under Biden going after Project Veritas? Even the ACLU has finally raised questions about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, you look through history at various cases that are quite outrageous. You look at the Dreyfus case as an example, one that has gone down in history uh, involving uh, France, of course. I'm not comparing the Kyle Rittenhouse case to the Dreyfus case, but this is a horrendous miscarriage of justice. A horrendous miscarriage of justice where the mob demanded action. And this is what I was talking about earlier, and the prosecutors gave them what they wanted, and they're still at it. This is from the Daily Mail, and this is what I mean. It's not in Axios. It's not in the Washington Post or the New York Times. It's from the Daily Mail, which is a foreign newspaper, a British newspaper, exclusive. Prosecution star witness in Kyle Rittenhouse's case is a career criminal with a history of domestic abuse, prowling, trespass, and burglary, but had charges dropped just six days before trial began, and the jury never learned of his past. This should be breaking news all over the country. Gage Grosskreutz, this is the guy who lived, 28, was shot by Kyle Rittenhouse in August 2020 and appeared as the prosecution's start witness last week. DailyMail.com has learned he is a violent career criminal with a laundry list of prior offenses and convictions, Stretching back to more than a decade. Now, this is interesting. He's the third one. So out of the three who were shot, they all have long and grotesque criminal records. And that's a lot of the people showing up at these riots two two years ago, burning our cities, attacking people, killing people, who were supported by, among others, LeBron James, most of ESPN, ESPN 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, most of them, of course, the media, 
It was mostly peaceful and on and on and on. Let's see. Now these criminal offenses include domestic abuse, prowling, trespass. Oh, luckily he didn't trespass on the Capitol building on January 6th. He'd really do time. Two DUIs, felony burglary, and two charges of carrying a firearm while intoxicated. Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger, that's the uh, reprobate, was well aware of this when he paraded Grosskreutz as a paragon of selfless virtue in front of the jury. See, these prosecutors are liars. They are lying. They're prepared to put this kid away for the rest of his life based on their lies. Less than 10 days before he was shot by Rittenhouse, Grosskreutz was arrested and charged with prowling when he was caught videotaping cops' personal cars. But the Rittenhouse jury heard none of this because just six days before he took the stand, his DUI charges were dismissed on a technicality. Had Grosskreutz's latest DUI charge not been dismissed, Rittenhouse's defense would have been allowed to question him under oath about those offenses. That's their star witness. What do you think about that? Trying to control the narrative. Trying to control, literally control, what the jury will hear. That's what they're doing. That's just unbelievable. I said on Hannity last week, I've said it here. This lead prosecutor should be brought up on ethics charges with the Wisconsin Supreme Court Ethics Committee. Prosecutors are supposed to pursue the truth. Even their their advocates, they're advocates for the state. They're supposed to do thorough investigations before they charge somebody with murder on more than one count. They're not supposed to rush the judgment. They're to try to sort things out. That's why they're on the taxpayer payroll. That's why they have investigators. That's why... Cops effectively, while they don't work directly for them, in the end, the prosecutors decide what cases they're going to take. It's a whole process set up so that the government can try and discern the truth and then go to trial and litigate on its behalf. I don't see that. Do you, America? I don't see that in a lot of cases anymore. Do you, America? No, I don't. It's increasingly a corrupted profession. Because everything this American Marxist movement touches is corrupt. Look at the NEA and the AFT, these teacher unions. Look at the media in America. Look at the professoriate in our academic uh, institutions. Look at the Democrat Party politicians. Now look at their prosecutors and their FBI and on and on and on. Corrupt as hell. I'll be right back. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 The case is now with the jury, the Rittenhouse case. 
Let's hope there's some justice left in this country. Let's hope. Tiffany Cross is on MSNBC. I never heard of her before. But uh, she's another person with a show on Saturday. Maybe that's why I've never heard of her before. But she is uh, aggressively, in my view, anti-white. And by white, I don't just mean people who have white pigmentation, whatever that means. Anti the existing American society and culture. In other words, these are people who hate the country, and Tiffany is among them. This is the kind of platform that Comcast gives to people. This is why the country is getting worse and worse in terms of division. The people of this country would get along just fine, but for the people who try and tear us to pieces, they're trying to now brainwash everybody into this attitude. Shocking. Shocking. And you know what I call it. I call it the, uh, the Louis Farrakhan model, which is embraced by Tiffany Cross and Michael Eric Dyson and uh, Cape Fear and all the rest regardless of their race, Joe Scarborough. But here's Tiffany Cross on MSLSD on Saturday. Cut one, go. Well, how can the industry be more welcoming? Because I have to tell you, I talked to a lot of truck drivers in uh, preparing for this segment, and um, most of these truck drivers are people of color, and they talked about, um, you know, hearing some of the racism um, over the CB. Um, you know, this is, again, an industry populated um, by a lot of white men over the age of 55. Um, this group of people overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Um, some people have talked about, you know, aggressive truck drivers uh, cutting them off or not being helpful. Who are um, these people? Why didn't you give us names and interview them on the record? You do know what videotape is, right, for television? She spoke to people, most of these truck drivers, people of color, in preparing her segment. Well, where did you talk to them? What truck stop? You know, there's a community of... Uh, people in various professions, various areas of work, where race doesn't play a big role. It doesn't, and truck drivers is among them. They need each other. They help each other. They need each other and they help each other. And so Tiffany Cross is creating a narrative now. Go ahead, finish it up. Obviously, the more populated it is with people of color, I think you'll see less of that think you'll see less of that. So we have black tr- truck drivers being cut off by white truck drivers. They hear white truck drivers talking over CBs. Do they still use CBs? I guess they do. I don't see them on sale very much anywhere, but maybe they do. I thought we had what we call iPhones. Nonetheless, whatever. And so, even trucking is racist, according to her. Now, she has no idea about trucking or truckers. She said uh, she talked to mostly black truck drivers in preparation for this segment. Again, I'd love to know who they were and where she did this. And why didn't she have a microphone and a camera with her? By the way, Jason Whitlock, 
was on my show Sunday, did a fantastic job, as did Byron Donalds. And whenever I bring somebody on my program, they wind up everywhere. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? And here we go today. So this is Tiffany Cross. Can you imagine going to bed at night and waking up in the morning and all you can think about is race and racism constantly? Tiffany, do you know that you work for a company that's called Comcast that's overwhelmingly white board of directors and the, and the owners are white? Are you aware of this? Are you aware of this, Tiffany? Does that not repulse you? Hmm. And yet you're hired by them. How can that be? Because they think like you? Well, according to Jonathan Capehart, that doesn't matter. Just because you hire black people, just because they're, they're not, even if you marry them, you don't get absolution. Because we all know if you marry a person of another faith or another race, you're doing it because you want absolution. That's how sick these people are. That's how sick these people are. So Tiffany Cross, who talks like this, who thinks she's uh, Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews is gone now, and we know why, don't we, Chris? Wink, wink. Tiffany Cross, who talks like this, she's so smart because people think if you talk real fast, you're real, real smart. And there's Tiffany Cross on MSNBC Saturday. Nobody watching. Everybody's watching football. They're going out or they're doing something else. Tiffany Cross, I wonder what her ratings are. They can't be good. They must be bad. That means we're a racist society because she's not white. Right? No, she's an idiot. Absolute idiot. There's so many people who would be better at her job. There's so many people who could do better than almost every host on MSNBC and CNN. They have no talent. All they do is spew, constantly spew the hate and the racism while they're making a fortune on TV. Like somebody's stopping them. It's incredible. But that's Tiffany over there in MSNBC. Does does MSNBC have any host who supports the country? Just one. Is there a single host on MSNBC who believes in America? Don't give me Joe Scarborough or his missus because they demonstrated a long time ago they will milk America for everything it's worth. They don't love America. Or how about NBC? Chuck Todd. Does Chuck Todd love America? No. He spews the same hate as the American Marxist movements do. Absolutely does. I don't find him to be a nice guy at all. But I met him in the green room. You know, he's really nice to me in the green room. I haven't met him. And that's all that matters. If somebody's really nice to me in the green room. Well, I haven't met him. He's got that weird haircut. Just keeps changing like he's four years old and mommy keeps cutting his hair, you know, with the scissors across the front. But Chuck Todd is not even an intelligent person. You know, they used to have Tim Russert. That guy was unbelievable. And before him, Jola Spivak. And then they purposely lower their standards. But I have a question, folks. Here's the anchor on Meet the Press, right? What's his race, Mr. Producer? White. They have their Sunday show on ABC. George Stefano. What's his race? White. They have a Sunday show on CBS. Nobody watches it. What's his or her race? White. Isn't that amazing? 
Jeff uh, Motherzucker, what's his rate? He's white. I can go right down the list. Let's look at AT&T. Board of Directors, CEO, white. What's that all about? The ownership of the New York Times always has been white. They're inbreds. Oh. Look at the Washington Post. Who's at the head of the Washington Post? A guy named Fred Ryan. White. White as white can be. Isn't that amazing? And yet Tiffany Cross is there talking about truck drivers. Truck drivers. She's met truck drivers. And most of them, she happens to know an industry populated by a lot of white men over the age of 55. We can't have that, America. No, no, no. And Tiffany, what have you done for your country? What have you done for anybody? What have you done for black people? Nothing. You're a loser. All you do is attack people. That's why you have no ratings. But that's also why you were hired by Comcast. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, it looks like Tiffany What's-Her-Face at MSLSD has infuriated truckers across the country because it always comes down to race with the race baiters and the racists. So if there's an issue with the supply chain, it must be white truck drivers cutting off black truck drivers, you see. Now, Tiffany, of course, doesn't know anything about the private sector, anything at all. But there she is. So let's go to some of the callers. Damon in McAllister, Ohio, XM Satellite, how are you? Uh, Mark, it's a privilege talking to you. I'm in uh, approaching McAllister, Oklahoma, actually about an hour away. Uh, what Tiffany is saying is untrue. I mean, uh, nobody, yeah, sure, people don't like truck drivers. The only people that like truck drivers are little kids and homeless people. Little kids because you got a big horn and homeless people because you got a big sleeper. But, hey, I was at the pilot yesterday, and I seen a black truck driver that was having problems backing his truck into a, a tight spot. A white truck driver came out and helped him back his truck in. I've helped out truck drivers before, and I'll tell you what, if there's anybody that's mad at truck drivers, it's the shippers or the receivers. They're angry at everybody because when you back your truck in, they've got to do this thing called work. They have to start up the forklift and start unloading your truck. So, yeah, you're going to have that happen. Now, I'm third generation. My dad is minority. He had trouble back in his day. My grandfather, when he was driving, he had trouble back in his day. But things have changed, and truck drivers nowadays are more helping each other out than they would be against each other because we're in a, because nobody likes us. I mean, uh, shippers, receivers, cops, dispatchers. Yeah, we love you here. I've been talking about you guys for decades. And here's the thing: Tiffany doesn't know a damn thing about trucking or truck drivers. She said she spoke to truck drivers over the weekend or last week, mostly black truck drivers, in preparation for her segment. Well, why wouldn't she have a microphone and a video camera there? Yeah, show me the tape. Let's see some tape. That's all I got to say, Mark. You have a great day. Be all safe. right, buddy. Take care. Let's see. J.H. Uh, Lavelle, Wisconsin, XM Satellite. How are you? Yeah, this is Peter in Lavelle, Wisconsin. Peter, hey, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, great to talk to you, Mark. Uh, longtime fan of yours. Thank um, you. And conservative conservatism is in a general sense of way. Hope my kids grow up to go to Hillsdale College. I have two cousins that went there. Yeah. And I think they're All only right, Tell me about trucking before we run out of time. Okay. Yep, sure. So, let me tell you something. I'm going to help out my trucker. 
buddies, if I don't care if they're black, brown, white, yellow, speak English, don't speak English. I don't care. I don't care if they voted for Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the fact of the matter is, is we're all out here. We bust our butts every day. We're trying to move stuff along. And you know what? Then we got some jerk like Joe Biden that thinks that we can afford 4 to $5 a gallon diesel and, and then laughs at us because, you know, hey, it hurts us. It hurts everybody. It hurts mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, on uh, MSNBC today, what was her name? Rule, Mr. Producer? Stephanie Rule? Listen to what she has to say about inflation, okay? Go ahead. Nobody knows exactly when they're going down, but you have to put all this in perspective. This inflation is not in isolation, and the government predicted it was going to be a challenging recovery, recovery all tied to COVID. So it's why you see things like that expanded child tax credit. You've got the families of over 60 million kids on average getting $430 a month. For people on fixed incomes, older people on Social Security, they're getting those fixed payments adjusted next year of 5.9% for inflation. And the dirty little secret here, Willie, while nobody likes to pay more, on average, we have the money to do so. All right, there you go. This woman is so out of touch. She's so out of touch. She knows nothing about any. It's like this Tiffany. She's talking about truck drivers. She doesn't know truck drivers, black, white, or in between. This clown rule, she doesn't know what people are going through. She's stuck in her little office near Wall Street in New York or wherever the hell it is, across the river, I guess, in New Jersey. She doesn't, she doesn't get out there and see how people are struggling or anything. And they go, what about you, Mark? I'm out all the time. All the time. I want nothing to do with the kind of social circles these people keep. It's an amazing thing. But uh, she says, what's your problem? What's your problem? You know, uh, uh, it's just the way it is, Peter. Uh, You know, you can afford it. It's not that bad. Yeah, all right. Thank you for your call, my friend. Let's go to John, Pensacola, Florida, XM Satellite, wide awake, trucker as well. Go right ahead, John. Uh, Mark, thank you very much. You're a hell of a patriot, and I think I speak for all of us truckers. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you, guys and gals. Tiffany. I was an instructor for 10 years. I've been driving for almost 40. Um, There's a multitude of different backgrounds out here of Cuban, black, white, yellow, green, and we have none of this. Wait a minute. John, are you telling me trucking is more diverse than the boardroom at Comcast and NBC and MSNBC? Very much so. And I was an instructor for 10 years. We have different backgrounds of employers that have been out there, doctors, lawyers that have been tired of doing those professions. They've gone into trucking, uh, different multitudes of races, religions. And let me tell you something. We all stick together out here. And Tiffany, if she wants to stir up a bunch of hornets, she has done it. Mm -hmm. Because us truckers out here, we have our own way of doing things we stick together but there is nothing racist or one-sided about anything we help each other out here every way that we can and that's a message for she's a fool she doesn't know a damn thing thanks thanks john let's go to another john crescent california xm satellite a hispanic truck driver how are you john mark 
Yes, sir. Honor to talk with you. Thank I'm you. I'm a Hispanic truck driver from Crescent City, California. We're up in the Redwoods. And this lady has never been to a truck stop. And just like the previous caller, there's all kinds of nationalities out here driving. And um, I, I've had white guys, older white guys, when I first started out, help me backing into tight situations. You know, I didn't ask them. They came up and offered their help. That's how it is out here, just like that guy John said. Um, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Uh, there's so many different. I was in school with Somalians and Nigerians and uh, Native Americans, and uh, it's just it's very diverse out here. John, here's the thing: Americans get along with Americans for the most part. They really do. I mean, do you go to work thinking there's a black guy, a white guy, and no? You just you, you just get along. You're an American. You're red blooded. This is our great country, and we want the place to work. We want to provide for our families. We want, we want to live in safe communities. This is what we all want. But this is what I meant last night on Fox. This is what I mean today. The media hate the country. The media want to divide us. The media have us at each other's throats. They give a platform to the most radical, extreme nut jobs in the country, in our universities, and they are now among them. And the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party cannot advance its own power structure Unless it is turning American against American over race, over wealth, over age, over sex and gender, over anything it can. It is a destructive, hateful party and ideology. It just is. And you know what's interesting, John? More and more people are realizing that. From white suburbs to Hispanic border towns uh, to black inner cities. I think more and more people are realizing now that the Democrat Party is out for the Democrat Party. John, thank you. John before John, thank you, sir. And I'll be right back. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Let me get to this, uh, Mr. Producer. Let's see here. We have our audio. Do we have Nicole, our friend Nicole, here or not? Come on now. Come on now. Let's go. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Hold on now. I got to find my articles here. Bear with me, America. I'm looking. Uh, Let's see. It was an article I sent. Here we go. Here we go. No, our friend Nicole from the 1619... Say again? Yeah, oh, here it is. Nicole Hannah-Jones tweets over at the Federalist. They picked it up. Sean Fleetwood, New New York Magazine writer and founder of the 1619 Project. Nicole Hannah-Jones took to Twitter this week to offer a historically illiterate take on why the United States bombed Hiroshima during World War II. And, of course, she was promoted by the New York Times, her 1619 Project, promoted by the New York Times, Historical scholars from every walk of life came out and said, she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. But it doesn't matter. You see? In a now deleted November 6th tweet, Jones attempted to argue that the only reason the United States dropped an atomic bomb on the Japanese city was due to financial reasons. All you World War II vets, listen to this. She said, they dropped the bomb, they, I guess, meaning her country, America, when they knew surrender was coming because they'd spent all this money developing it, 
and to prove it was worth it, she wrote, propaganda is not history, my friend. Now, that is unbelievable. She is a complete idiot. She is a complete idiot. The first bomb was dropped, and then the second bomb was dropped because Japan refused to accept unconditional surrender. And that's what Harry Truman insisted on. She, she is a historical illiterate. But she can push her pablum, her hate for this country, and there's not a single corrupt media platform that wouldn't love to have her. Jones has since tried to backtrack on the statement, saying that apparently we are at a time in my career where a tweet response with 100 likes is worthy of all kinds of explication and condemnations five days after I wrote it, even after I've deleted it. But sure, okay, you're an idiot. That's why. Pathetic. And so people are educating her. That's why they responded to her. The historically inaccurate tweet came in a series of comments from the 1619 founder who said she felt ashamed while visiting the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Museum in Japan. Feeling ashamed of shameful things is not bad. It's called being an empathetic and moral human being. Yes, but being an idiot is called being an idiot. Shame helps us do better. When I visited the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Museum about the impact of the U.S. atomic bomb, as an American, I felt shame. Oh, my God. Jones later continued saying, as a black American, I knew the same government that bombed Japan was also actively segregating black Americans and tacitly condoning racial terrorism and fascism in the U.S. South. And so even though my people were not responsible as an American and a human, I felt shame. How is this bad? The desire for so many Americans to be free of collective shame, collective atonement, and collective responsibility. By the way, that comes right out of Marx. That comes out of the teaching in our colleges and universities. Those of you who've read American Marxism, this is what they always talk about. Collective psychology, uh, collective values, collective shame. She doesn't know anything on her own. She regurgitates the crap she's read by these phony tenured professors and scholars. Shameful legacy of centuries of slavery, racism, apartheid, and terroristic violence visited upon fellow citizens. It's the sign of an immature and selfish culture, added Hannah Jones, whose 1619 project was awarded a Pulitzer Prize. That's all right. They're not worth crap anymore. Despite needing a major correction and being criticized a revisionist history by top historians. And contrary to Jones's historical revisionism in her, treat, in her uh, tweet, The United States only dropped the bomb on Hiroshima after the Japanese government's continued refusal to surrender. As noted by the History Channel, the Allies issued the Potsdam Declaration, demanding the unconditional surrender of all the Japanese armed forces, while also warning that failure to comply would mean the inevitable and complete destruction of the Japanese armed forces, and just as inevitable, the other devastation of the Japanese homeland. Only after Prime Minister Karantaro Zuso responded by telling the press that Japan was paying no attention to the given ultimatum did Harry Truman decide to drop the first atomic bomb on Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. Even after that, leaving roughly 80,000 people dead, Japan's Supreme War Council refused to surrender to the Allies. It's only after a second bomb was dropped on the city of Nagasaki that the Japanese government began negotiations of surrender with the United States and the rest of the Allied powers. Well, you do know, uh, do you not, uh, Hannah Jones? More people died in the Civil War than died by the dropping of those two atomic bombs. 
Are you ashamed of the Civil War, too? I'm just curious. Are you ashamed of the Civil War, too? That a war was fought to keep the country united and to end slavery. You know, this is typical of the Marxist CRT left. It just is. We defeated a uh, fascist regime under the Emperor of Japan and Tojo. A vicious regime. Ask the Communist Chinese what the Japanese did to the Chinese. Ask the Koreans what the Japanese did to the Chinese. Ask my grandfather, who's now deceased, unfortunately, what they did to Americans who they captured on Iwo Jima. This woman knows nothing. Nothing. She's a clown. She's a fool. And she's promoted by the same clowns and fools at the New York Times and elsewhere who lie to us each and every damn day. It is absolutely shocking. She's ashamed. Who gives a damn what she's ashamed of? Honest to God. Who cares? She's ashamed of the United States? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take some calls here. Let us go to uh, Sebastian, Hazel, Texas, on the Mark Levin app. Sebastian, how are you, sir? I'm well, Mr. Mark Levin. Mark, I'm just disturbed at what I heard um, that, that is being mentioned about white, white drivers um, purposely causing a, um, a supply chain crisis to affect black families. I mean, I have white friends in the trucking industry that I went to school with, and many of them are former service members, um, veterans, who served in the military and who came into trucking, and they actually looking to go into trucking to serve the country, to bring food to the table, and just to keep the country moving. You have people who got master's degrees in education who joined trucking for the same reason that they love the country and they want to see the country move. And I just, I just find this thing to be an insensitive comment to make. It's so bigoted and it's just completely outrageous and so out of touch with what you, you actually see on the ground as a truck driver. Many of these truck drivers would like to drive 800 to 1,000 miles a day if it wasn't for all these federal regulations. Yep. So this idea that they would purposely they would purposely want to, you know, um, stop, you know, do a supply chain crisis to affect black families. It's, it's just completely outrageous. So you're a black it's, trucker, it's is that right? Mark. Yes, Mark. Yes. Do you find black... white truckers purposely cutting you off? God, no. I mean, no, who, I mean... who, they come up with these, these, these cockamamie arguments. And who, who even thinks like this? I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh. They're so secular in their thinking, Mark, but I'm, I'm glad that you're exposing this stuff because I'm glad I called because this is ridiculous. And I just wanted to just let people know that are out there that this is not the reality. It is a big family. We all look out for each other. And, and you know, you have white drivers help out, helping out blacks and you have black truck drivers helping out whites. You know, it's all camaraderie. We don't see race. And it's just ridiculous that these people in the media are just talking nonsense. It, it, it's so sick. I, I keep saying Americans pretty much get along with Americans if the politicians and the media would just leave us the hell alone. But they won't, because because this gets ratings, because this makes them feel self-righteous, because for Democrats, they believe this is how they get elected, turning one race against another, one ethnicity, one income group against another. We're free Americans. Do whatever the hell you want to do. But the media are completely out of control. Thank you for your call, Sebastian. God bless you, man. Let's slip. Well, no, we'll come right back. Mark Lovin.
tell you something. MSLSD, Tiffany. Tiffany, I don't know how many Tiffany's drive trucks or have ever been in a truck stop, but what do I know? Boy, she pissed off the truckers across America. I'm telling you right now, and people over this Japanese issue. Let us continue. Ivan, Atlanta, Georgia, XM Satellite. Ivan, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark, how's it going? Um, I just have, I have to say thank you for letting me on tonight. Um, And I also want to say that I feel so fortunate and so glad that I can hear people I can relate to with our current issues in this country. I'm actually a Hispanic gay male. And let me tell you that I'm two minorities and there's no way that like, especially the gay community, they always talk about how um, Trump this, Trump that, and they always want to bash him and this and the other. And let me tell you, this is all BS stuff, literally. And the Latino community, um, they're being fed lies to by Telemundo and Univision. Um, everybody knows that, though, but a lot, of the, a lot of the Hispanic community is waking up. I know my parents, they're in their early 60s, and they always talk about it, and they always say, yeah, this, this administration is really messing up this whole American dream, um, the dream that we, we had foreseen. You know, when we were back in our homelands, we thought that coming to this country was going to be the best thing for us. And, you know, and I thank my parents for what they did for us because they got in line they did everything through immigration. Um, we came here legally, and we did everything we had to do. And now we have this crisis, and it's just like, come on now, get in line. You know, do what we did. It's it's just this whole country is is burning to the ground, and we hate to see that because we came here with nothing but hope and dreams, and mm-hmm. we've achieved some so many things in in our lifetimes. But it's just so sad everything going on, and. But I'm happy to hear that people are waking up in, in both sides of my community. Now, let me, you know ask what you I mean? that, let me ask you a question, Ivan. Being either pro-Trump or fairly conservative and gay and a Hispanic, particularly in the gay community, can be tough, right? It's very, yes. It's like I have no friends. Well, what, what did the left ever do for the gay community other than give them, uh, you know, talking points? I feel like nothing. They're, Remember when Obama was running in 2008, he was asked about gay marriage? He said he opposed it. Exactly. And Joe Biden said the same thing. I mean, it just doesn't add up to me. And then I, I blatantly show people um, all the, the, you know, how obvious, I mean, the, the evidence. I mean, you can YouTube this. It's all over the Internet. Anybody can watch these videos. And how are they not paying attention to those things? And yet they're, I just, it just, it's crazy to me that people just want to go out and shout Biden, 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 when he's been a politician for so long and has done nothing. And let me ask you this, Joy Reid. Joy Reid had some of the most poisonous, uh, anti-gay tweets years ago, not ultra many years ago, but years ago. And she blamed it on hackers who came into our system and nobody could ever find these hackers because she's a liar. And so she used to, and it wasn't just the gay community, other minority communities too. And, but she's okay. She's got absolution, you know. And so she can get on there now on MSNBC, say pretty much whatever she wants to say. The left gets away with this stuff. 
They do. And, you know, I run a small business, and a lot of my clients that come and see me, I'm a hairstylist, by the way, but a lot of my clients that come see me, they're all, you know, minorities. But I always try to very, like, tactically and slowly kind of push in and tell them what's going on and to try to wake them up. Because everything that's going on, I mean, they just have to wake up and and see um, everything for what it is. Um, and I feel like I try not to discuss too much politics in my business. Yeah, you lose I business. Try to, exactly. And I try to, but I do try to to acknowledge some things to tell them, hey, you know, inflation is bad right now. Have you noticed? Um, you know, it's just you know at the top, and I try to make it very passive. Uh, let me ask um, you a question before I run out of time. You're a hairstylist? Yes, sir. What do you do for Very a bald guy on. like me? What do you do for me? You basically hey, have to I cut have, the hair um, short, hair right? <laughs> I have hair systems I can put on, man. <laughs> no, no, I don't want fake hair. There's nothing you can do, really. And you know what? I don't care. My wife loves me. That's good enough for me. All right, Ivan. You're Thank a great you, guy. I appreciate it. Call again. Appreciate it. Let's continue, shall we? Let's see. Uh, Jim, Jacksonville. You got these this right. All right. Jacksonville, Arkansas. Hello, the great K-A-R-N. Jim, how are you? Hello, Mark. Yes, if, sir. If uh, Hannah Jones was embarrassed when she visited Hiroshima, how would she feel if she visited the Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. I don't think that's on her list of places to visit, do you? No, I, I, I guess she not. She should go there. She might want to check out, you know, the different military uh, uh, the different military cemeteries. I wonder if she's ever been to a Civil War battlefield. You know, these people are such frauds. Absolute right. frauds. Right. Has she been it, any concentration camps, you think, in Europe? I'm just wondering. Uh, you know, she probably uh, skipped those. Mm-hmm. How do you wake up every day in this magnificent country and just hate it and look for ways to hate it, look for, t- for ways to tell other people to hate it? I don't understand it. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The gun charge against Kyle Rittenhouse was dropped. You know why it was dropped, America? Because under the statute in Wisconsin, a 17-year-old is, in fact, legally able to uh, possess a rifle as long as it's not as long as the barrel is a certain length. In other words, they don't want him to have things like sawed-off shotguns, which he did not have. So the gun was actually legal. And the judge, everybody now having actually looked at the statute in the courtroom, the judge said, looked at the prosecutor and said, that's correct, right? And the prosecutor said, yes. He said, well, I'm dismissing charge six. 
Now, how does a prosecutor bring a charge that clearly does not comport with their own statute? And, of course, the media regurgitated this over and over and over again. All the legal analysts regurgitated it again and again about how, oh, well, at least they'll get them on the gun charge. But the gun charge shouldn't have been made in the first place. If the media were a serious operation, and of course we know they're not, they hate America, they're racist, and they're bigoted, they would do these kinds of basic examinations instead of writing stories like they write. But they don't. And they're never going to. The idiot Scarborough, as an example, he was out there pushing this pablum. He's supposed to be a lawyer. Whoa, a lawyer? Yeah, slip and fall. Slip and fall lawyer. It's just, it's incredible the kinds of lies that are told. But they do not care. They simply do not care. We have this. Um... The Epic Times, which is actually a very good paper, by the way, very good site. Multiple January 6th defendants were taken out of their cells on stretchers at the District of Columbia jail November 11, according to a court filing. They sprayed something on them. And I'm wondering if Philip Bump is going to get down there and find out what the hell happened, get off his fat ass from the Washington Post over there and just check it out. He defends anything that's done to these people and everything that's done to these people. He defends it. But no, he's not going to. He's not going to because he believes in it. This is exactly what I've been talking about. When it comes to the media, and not just the media, of course, the Marxist left, they could care less. Daily Wire, just some examples. Federal Appeals Court blocks Biden's staggeringly overbroad vaccine mandate. This is the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. They did this late on Friday, calling it, as I said, staggeringly overbroad. The three-judge panel in New Orleans ruled that Biden's mandate grossly exceeds OSHA's statutory authority, something I told you right here. I mean, read the statute. Now, the Obama lawyers read the statute. They didn't give a damn. And writing that rather than a delicately handled scalpel, the mandate is one-size-fits-all sledgehammer that makes hardly any attempt to account for differences in workplaces and workers that have more than a little bearing on workers' varying degrees of susceptibility to the supposedly grave danger the mandate purports to address. This is a quote from them. Judges Kurt D. Engelhardt, Edith H. Jones, who would have been outstanding on the Supreme Court in her day, And Stuart Kyle Duncan said that the mandate imposed financial burdens on businesses that could potentially violate the Constitution. Well, it does. Writing, the mandate imposes a financial burden upon them by deputizing their participation in OSHA's regulatory scheme, exposes them to severe financial risk if they refuse or fail to comply, and threatens to decimate their workforces and business prospects by forcing unwilling employees to take their shots, take their tests, or hit the road. The court stayed the mandate in a ruling Saturday, writing that there were potentially grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. 
Um, White House Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, she's almost more obnoxious than Pasaki, responded to the ruling on Monday by saying that the Biden administration's message to businesses that fall under the mandate is they should not wait to implement the measure. See, they don't care what the court says. They are lawless. Absolutely lawless. So I'm just looking at this. So there we have that. Absolutely lawless. Because you must buckle. You must buckle to the federal government regardless. And I told you police powers, police powers, police, health, safety, that sort of thing belongs to the states. No president has ever done what Joe Biden is doing. None. But the DOJ says it will vigorously defend Biden's OSHA COVID-19 vaccine mandate, and of course it will. Because Merritt Garland, or Meritless Garland, as we like to call him, is in charge. Then there's more. FBI raid on Project Veritas founder's home sparks questions about a free press. This is Politico. They circle back and say, wait a minute, they could do this to us. The Biden administration's effort to establish itself as a committed champion of the press is facing new doubts because of the Justice Department's aggressive legal tactic against a conservative provocateur. Known for his hidden camera video interviews. Did they ever call 60 Minutes sort of a radical left provocateur? Because they're the ones who started that. A pre-dawn FBI raid last weekend against Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe and similar raids on some of his associates are prompting alarm from some First Amendment advocates. They contend that prosecutors appear to run roughshod over Justice Department media policies and a federal law protecting journalists. Really? They're running roughshod? Like they did over parents and so forth? Oh, no way. And the First Amendment and free speech? You see how the, the totalitarianism is growing, ladies and gentlemen, right? And into the drama surrounding the Bruin Court showdown, it stems from a politically sensitive investigation in the alleged theft of the dire President Biden's daughter, Ashley. The document made it into the hands of O'Keefe's organization, which never published anything on the subject, and eventually turned the document over to police. So even if they had used it, it wouldn't be illegal, because we have court cases on this. An ensuing federal investigation resulted in the FBI raid on O'Keefe's home in Westchester, New York, 6 a.m. in the morning last Saturday. They seized his cell phones pursuant to a court order. O'Keefe says he stood handcuffed in his underwear in a hallway as almost a dozen agents, one carrying a battering ram, searched for the phones. This is just beyond belief, said University of Minnesota law professor Jane Kirtley a former executive director of the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. She said, I'm not a big fan of Project Veritas, but this is just over the top. I hope they get a serious reprimand from the court because I think this is just wrong. And O'Keefe's lawyers complained to a federal judge this week that the raid unfairly denied him the legal protections afforded to journalists. They said the Department of Justice use of a search warrant to seize a reporter's notes and work product violates decades of established Supreme Court precedent. That's absolutely right. Anybody concerned? No. We are, of course, but anybody else? No, no, no. Liz Cheney? No. 
Okay, uh, Chris Christie, haven't heard a burp from him, and he burps all the time. Uh, let's see. Such a, uh, O'Keefe's lawyers are demanding that the court appoint a special master to supervise the review of the information on the phones. And by the way, this information, as I told you last week, is being leaked selectively and immediately from the FBI to the New York Times. Leaked immediately from the FBI to the New York Times. So the New York Times, which pretends to care about press freedom, is in on it. Like they were in on Russia collusion. Like they were in on covering up the Holocaust and covering up Stalin's slaughter of the Ukrainians. Oh yeah. The New York Times is in on it. I'll be right back. John Gruden, something I wanted to talk about here, has done something that's very smart in my opinion. And this is from blazemedia.com, theblaze.com, which has a great news site, by the way. I don't just say that because I'm involved with Blaze. They have a great news site, theblaze.com. John Gruden sues NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell for allegedly leaking his emails to destroy him by Carlos Garcia, because I believe that's exactly what happened. They had over 600,000 emails, and they, they obviously leaked some in order to try and destroy Gruden, because Gruden's not part of, you know, their little social circle. John Gruden filed a lawsuit against the National Football League and its commissioner, Roger Goodell, for allegedly leaking his emails in order to destroy his career. Gruden resigned as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders in October after facing criticism over controversial statements he made in personal emails that were leaked to the media. And by the way, if Gruden had been a radical leftist and made statements about other people, uh, he'd be promoted, like Joy Reid, or he'd be a regular guest, like Med, Michael Eric Dyson, or Capehart, and so forth and so on. Let me continue. The complaint alleges that the defendants selectively leaked Gruden's private correspondence to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, <coughs> excuse me, in order to harm Gruden's reputation and force him out of his job, read a statement from Adam Hosmer Henner, an attorney representing Gruden. There's no explanation or justification for why Gruden's emails were the only ones made public out of 650,000 emails collected in the NFL's investigation of the Washington football team, or for why the emails were held for months before being released in the middle of the Raiders' season. And of course, they're right. A spokesperson for the NFL denied the claims in the lawsuit. The allegations are entirely meritless, and the NFL will vigorously defend against these claims, said Brian McCarthy to CNN. So what? You can vigorously defend all you want. You're going to have to respond to... uh, uh, all kinds of uh, document search, email, texts. And if I were Gruden's lawyers, I'd really focus on that commissioner and get as many of his emails as possible. There may even be a team involved here. The Washington team, I don't know. Gruden alleges in a lawsuit that the actions of the NFL led to severe financial damages and harm to his career and reputation. 
and it argues that only a few emails were selectively leaked from the investigation to the Washington football team. So the leak could have come from them, too. Well, time will tell. Out of 650,000 emails obtained months earlier in connection with the investigation into workplace misconduct by the Washington football team, Defendants weaponized a small subset that were authored by Gruden prior to his hiring by the Raiders, read the lawsuit. Defendants then purposefully leveraged these emails to call the termination of Gruden's coaching contract, endorsements, and sponsorships. He'd been one of the highest paid coaches in the league. A $100 million contract over 10 years. The Raiders had a 3-2 and win-loss before Gruden's departure. They notched two victories. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's a smart lawsuit. It's a good lawsuit. I got a couple of those in mind, too. Right on the shelf, Mr. Producer. And, uh, look, I'm sure a lot of people don't put in emails the sort of thing that Gruden did and so forth, but I'm sure they put a lot of nasty things in emails. And if Goodell's emails could be made public, or Liz Cheney's emails could be made public, or Nancy Pelosi's emails could be made public, one could only imagine what's in those emails. Or how about their texts? Again, one can only imagine what's in their texts. Because people say the damnest things. They don't think they're going to have to face discovery or leaks or anything like that, especially when they work on the Hill, as opposed to the executive branch. Nobody ever demands papers and so forth from members of Congress unless there's a criminal investigation, right? Well... Benny Watts' ass and uh, Liz Cheney, uh, they're not conducting a criminal investigation. And yet they think they have a right to everything, which I think is, uh, is not correct. And I just hope there's enough serious judges who still have integrity who understand that when you go after an ex-president's records, you're damaging the executive branch. Well, Joe Biden... He's in a position to decide that, says the Obama judge. Joe Biden's not in a decision to decide whether they use uh, toilet paper or, uh, or bath towels. So I don't want to hear about that. But that's not determinative. What a Democrat president, a Democrat committee, a Democrat House, and a Democrat judge, that's not determinative because obviously they want to destroy Trump as fast as they can, almost as the never-Trumpers. Almost as much as the never-Trumpers, in my opinion. So Gruden has done a very smart thing, bringing this kind of lawsuit. You get a lot of discovery. A lot of discovery. I'm about to trigger one. I mean, I'm ready. I'm getting very, very close. And not just defamation. I hope they also have in their charges, and I haven't seen the, the uh, lawsuit. I hope they also have in there one that I talk about all the time, which is... Uh, tortious interference with his business, with his contract, which is easier to prove, because that was the purpose. That's also the purpose of Media Matters, when they attack people like me and other hosts. They're trying to destroy our brand, they're trying to lobby uh, sponsors, they're trying to to get uh, radio stations to drop their show, so their whole purpose is to destroy your contract, to destroy your business, to destroy your reputation. And so you can incorporate with a libel suit. You can also incorporate the the which has a less the uh, the tortious interference suit uh, or charge, which has a lesser standard to overcome. 
because the Supreme Court hasn't gotten all worked up about that. You said, am I making sense to you, Mr. Producer? In other words, if somebody has as their purpose to destroy your business, to destroy a contract relationship, to destroy your brand, that's tortious interference, I mean, with certain other elements, with your business and your business contract. And that is much easier to demonstrate than getting over the hurdles that the Supreme Court has created for public figures, even though those hurdles are not insurmountable. They're more difficult. But the tortious interference, I've argued, and I've researched this at some length, should absolutely be one of the counts that Gruden brings, and that any public figure brings against somebody like Media Matters or Media Idol organizations like that. I'll be right back. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. By the way, I hope you're enjoying my Levin TV programs on the Blaze TV network. I mean, they really, I, you know, they've really been good. May I say that? I think I will. And Levin... Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. I think they've been great. Boy, we're going to have a killer one coming up Sunday. I can't even tell you yet. Hello. Can't even tell you yet. And, of course, our radio show's kicking it. So uh, that's all thanks to you. Not to me. To you. You're engaged. I mean, you know, engaged in radio. $800 a year. That's how much the average family's putting back in their pockets every year by ditching Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile and switching to Pure Talk. And AT&T, as I tell you over and over, they own CNN. WJNO, Brian Mudd is the uh, master of operations there. Jim, in WJNO land in Florida, how are you? Great, Mark. How are you doing? Let me look. Very well, thank you. <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you uh, about early on in your show, how did we yeah. get to where we are? with all yeah. these uh, institutions. I read something years ago uh, on something called the Long March Through the Institutions, and it's stuck with me ever since. Uh, Antonio Gramsci, Italian communist, oh, I believe yes. in late 30s. Yeah, um, I knew it sounded familiar. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it just laid it all out. And, you know, how do we are today? Well, every institution now has been overrun. Mm-hmm. Uh, government, government, uh, Media, various businesses. Education, you're right. Education, right. They are all in concert now, and they have reached the tipping point. Um, You know, typically, you don't really have to have 51% to affect a change. Sometimes you only need 20%. I've talked about that many, many times. You're exactly right. Yes, and that's what I think has happened. And, uh, you know, I've been screaming to the to the heavens to all my friends about this, but uh, I don't think a lot of my friends really <laughs> you know, pay too much attention. The American Revolution was fought by about a third of the colonists. And then another third actually sided with Britain, and another third kind of sat on the sidelines. It just shows you the difference. When you look at uh, Castro, it was Castro and about 20 or 30 uh, um, fellow communist guerrillas. 
that took over uh, Cuba with the help, of course, of the New York Times. You look at all these revolutions. You look at Lenin. Lenin had about 20, 25% of the population max. Mao, probably less than that. But what happens is um, the majority get passive or they acquiesce. And this is the reason I wrote American Marxism. I say it in the first chapter. The points you're raising are absolutely crucial. They're profound. And I say it in the first chapter. If not enough of the country wakes up, the country's done. Because these people are fanatics. They're zealots. They spend 24-7 on their objectives. That's why if somebody says, well, they had critical race theories. No, critical race theory is the key to everything they're doing. And it's not just critical race theory. It's lat-crit. It is the degrowth movement. These are well-organized, well-oiled, well-financed revolutionaries. Revolutionary. And the Republican Party doesn't have the foggiest idea what's going on. This battle in Virginia and New Jersey and New York that took place a couple of elect- uh, weeks ago in the election and other places across the country, this was a grassroots, bottom-up um, uh, pushback. That's what it was. People who listen to this show or watch TV, some of the my show on TV and others, or people who are personally experiencing what's taking place and taking matters into their own hand, that's the way it's going to have to be, because if we're going to rely on Mitch McConnell doesn't the foggiest idea what's going on, or all of his lieutenants up there, or Congress period, uh, we're going to lose. Or if we're going to just rely on the, the Republicans and the Never Trumpers and the Chris Christies and the other, you know, career politicians, uh, we're going to lose. And they hate Trump because Trump fights these people. Trump understands what we're facing more than any of the rest of them. More than any of the rest of them. That's why they hate him. So they don't hate Christie. They don't hate Liz Cheney. They don't hate Mitch McConnell. They don't like him, but they don't. They hate Trump. And the media were willing to destroy themselves. It was a long time coming, but it was coming. The media are willing to destroy themselves. And uh, people are willing to break laws and do all these other things in order to stop Trump. And they're still going to do it. They're still going to. He has this, uh, these establishment types like Christie and, uh, and Peggy Noonan and Fred Ryan and and Paul Ryan and others, but not just them, but others. Uh, you know, Trump, we can't win with Trump. There was a piece I read, I think it was in Politico, but wherever it was, I read so much, where they said the suburbs are coming back because uh, this last election because Trump wasn't a candidate. No, the suburbs are coming back because they hate Biden and what he's doing to the country. And they hate the, the teachers' unions and what they did in the classroom. That's why they... Uh, that's what happened a couple of Tuesdays ago. Yeah. All right, my friend, is excellent, excellent call, and you're right on. And that's the whole point of, uh, of American Marxism, to awaken and form and enlist as many people as we possibly can to fight these people. That's the whole point, or, or most of the point. All right, let's take another call, Mr. Producer. I'm looking. I can't find it. Help me out here. All right. Adam Meriden, Mississippi, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? I'm very good. I'm gr- I'm greatly honored, great one. I would Thank like you, to buddy. make two comments and listen to your response. Yes, sir. C- number one, career politicians are cancer, mm-hmm. and term limits are the only cure. You know, we number- tried term limits. This is truth. Ronald Reagan signed that into law. And the Supreme Court overturned it because they said, and unfortunately they're right, they said um, the Constitution doesn't provide for term limits. You had to amend the Constitution to limit the terms of the president, which is 10 years. 
So they're probably right. So it would take a constitutional amendment. So it would take the Convention of States because the Congress is never going to limit its terms because they're too powerful. But I agree with you. And by the the way, I'd go a step further as I've been thinking about this for a few years. I would term limit their staffers, too. That's correct. Well, comment number two, this trial is going on in Kenosha. Yeah. It's a prime example. It's the exact reason why the American Marxists hate the Second Amendment, because their goal is to deprive all Americans of their mm-hmm. constitutional rights and their money, and they eventually want to do that at gunpoint without resistance, and they know that they can't do that to an armed populace. I think that's certainly why the framers wanted people armed, and that's, by the way, why they talk about a, a, a militia. You know, the, the left doesn't want to hear this. They always cite the second part of the Second Amendment. Well, the second part of the Second Amendment they really wouldn't like if they understood it. Because that's where they wanted the states to remain armed in case they needed to rise up against the federal government, the national government. Now, I'm not saying we should. I'm saying that's what that was about. Um, all right, my friend, thank you for your call. Well, I think the riots of two years ago demonstrated us that we cannot rely on politicians to bring out the National Guard, and we cannot rely on them to back the cops. And so we need to be able to protect ourselves from anarchy and from tyranny. That's the bottom line. We need to be able to protect ourselves. That's the truth. Not just the hoodlums, not just the rioters, but law-abiding Americans. That's the whole point of the Second Amendment. Otherwise, why why is it even there? You don't need a Second Amendment to say you can go hunting. That would be ridiculous. Rick, Key West, Florida on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Sorry. Good. How are you, sir? I'm all right. How's Key West doing? I'll tell you what's a little chilly. It's uh, 70, I don't know, 77. But it got whacked a few years ago. Is it pretty much back now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're great. All right. We're great. This is a beautiful place. Now, I'll tell you something. Uh, you're the blowhorn. You're Uh-oh. the, you're the, not a blowhorn, not in a bad way. Blow hard, I hope. Uh, you're the blowtorch. Oh. Blowtorch. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for what you do, because I'm telling you what, uh, Mark Levin. Yeah. Uh, I replay, I listen to you on TuneIn Radio, and what I do is I uh, repeat it, and I listen to you, and I run it twice. In a day, wow! The whole show, yeah. Because we've got a we've got a few liberals down here. Imagine that. What a minute in Key West. I think yeah, you have a few hippies well, there. Yeah. To be honest with you. Well, I'll tell you what; it's the best place in the whole world. Yeah, I love it. But That's I'll what tell counts. You what, I play you, and yes, it is. Yeah. And I'll tell you. Do we scare them? Why you play? Yes, you do. <laughs> you damn sure do. <laughs> but, you know, what would they want to argue with me? And, they, you know, I'm a contractor down here, so I'm on the yeah. job, and I play that. Yeah. Uh, even the customers. You know, you know, in the good old days, Mr. Producer will vouch for this. I forget which uh, Democrat convention it was in New York City, but um, you remember, Rich, a couple of... Uh, Police officers called us from their cruiser. They were doing a stakeout, and they got some crook. They put him in the back of their cruiser, and they were driving, and they 
they called into the program and they said we're uh, we're making this we're making the guy listen to your show. I wondered, is that torture? Is that okay? And they laughed. No, no, no. That was that was good. They wanted him to hear the show. Today, of course, they'd be rounded up and sent to Guantanamo Bay. But uh, anyway, all right, my friend. I appreciate your call, Rick. You take care of yourself, buddy. Don't get uh, don't get uh, you know too much uh, sun there in uh, Key West. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know what? Let's slip in a call here first, Rich. Joseph? Was Joseph there? I meant Ken. Close. San Francisco, California, the great KSFO. Ken, how are you? Oh, what a pleasure this is to speak to you, Mark. What an honor. Thank you, sir. Thank Um, you. Your comments about the atom bomb dropping really struck a nerve with me today and how despicable they are. Because one other thing that Harry Truman also did is he sent dangerous missions prior to each bomb drop into all of the possible target cities and dropped 7 million leaflets in Japanese, warning them that there was going to be a major bombing attack and that their city is on the target list to Mm -hmm. try and prevent as many civilian casualties as possible. Is it not amazing to you the, the contempt that these people who really have achieved nothing, they are, they are phony achievers, they are promoted by these, these corrupt media outlets, among other places. How uh, quickly they're able to condemn somebody like a Harry Truman, or condemn the United States military, or condemn Thomas Jefferson, and on and on and on. These people are unaccomplished, but for the fact that they are promoted by, by frauds in the culture. They've done nothing to support this country. In fact, they do everything they can to tear it down. Does it not amaze you how they get away with this? And everything that they have earned and this country has given them or that they have taken from this country and how they are the richest. In, they are part of the top 1%. And, and we're talking and about the left here. Give nothing. Yeah. Yes. And, and the media. Give, yes, right. Yeah, the media, the media are the most... Um, phony, corrupt, overpaid group of individuals in the country. They really are. They're disgusting. And I believe in a free press. I don't believe in a tyrannical press. And that's what we're dealing with, a tyrannical press. And your, your, your book was absolutely right. And, and, and on, a, on, on a side note, I'm going to Tampa in, uh, over Thanksgiving, and my gift for my nephew, who just started college this year, is I bought a second copy of, of uh, your new book. Thank I you. The first copy from Premiere for, for a signed copy for myself and read it, and I, and, I, and I bought a second book so that my nephew can make it through his first year of college without being lied to and not understand all the lies. So That's I'm, what I'm, I'm hoping. I'm so thrilled that... I'm hoping more and more people do that. I'm hoping they bring the book to Thanksgiving. I mean, it's really not something to fight over. It's something to tell people, read this. Read this. It may actually change your life. It may actually change your entire perspective on things. And if we can get to him before his professors get to him, we have a chance. That's what I believe. That's what I hope parents and grandparents out there will do. And Thanksgiving's no better place to hand it out. All right, my friend. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what a show. I think it's been a hell of a show. Now, beyond that, a couple of things. We have two Levin TVs this week. 
We have uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday. Uh, we have the radio show, except I won't be here Wednesday. Ugh. You think I like not to be here? It's travel. I travel in 24 hours. It says travel to place, do something, and travel back. I'm just dealing with things that were left over from the, from the coronavirus. And then we have Thanksgiving, which is soon. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and we wish complete justice for Kyle Rittenhouse, which would be not guilty on all charges. I'll see you tomorrow, and God bless you.